After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BeHereNow. Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archive teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello and welcome to Living with Reality. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Svoboda's media manager. On this episode, Dr. Svoboda talks about Rahu, the shadow planet that is one of the nodes where we have eclipses in the sky. And he talks about this formation, which is called Kala Sarpa Yoga. This is when all the planets are on one side of the nodes, Rahu and Ketu. And he explains what it is and how it impacts us. This is something that's going on in the sky right now. Um, We have the moon moving in and out of it, but we'll be experiencing that for the next few months. So he gives us some context for understanding If you'd like to learn more about this phenomenon or the planet Saturn or Kundalini or any of the other topics Dr. Svoboda likes to teach on, you can actually go to drsvoboda.teachable.com and you'll find a bunch of courses that you can take right away, right when you sign up for them, Um, you'll get immediate access. So if you're interested in that, check it out. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Om Shri Ganeshaya Maha. 
Sarvamangalamangalyai Shive Sarvata Sadhike Sharanye Triambake Gauri Narayani Namastate Om Namashivaya Om Namashivaya Om Namashivaya Greetings Today the topic is the nodes Rahu and Ketu in particular Rahu um, and with the uh, particular emphasis on Kala Sarpa Yoga. Probably a good place to begin is with the fact that in Jyotisha, Indian divination, the nodes did not originally appear. The great fundamental foundation texts of Jyotish, including particularly Brahat Parashara Hora Shastra were written at a time when there was no perceived value in having Rahu and Ketu be present. Rahu as a force that caused eclipses has been known for uh, many, many centuries. But first Rahu and even later Ketu were much later than the foundational principles of Jyotish integrated into Jyotish. And it's for this reason that Kala Sarpa Yoga, the combination that we will be uh, experiencing as a planet uh, during the first few months of 2021, uh, that yoga does not appear in the classics like Brat Parashara Hora Shastra. But as modern life has become more modern, as it has become more cerebral, as it has become more head-oriented in general, the influence of Rahu in particular has become greater. Rahu and Ketu are called the nodes of the moon because they are the two points at which the orbit of the earth around the sun and the orbit of the moon around the earth intersect. The orbit of the moon around the earth is at an angle of about five degrees from the orbit of the moon around the sun. So, practically speaking, what this means is, if we take the orbit of the Earth around the, the, the Sun, that the Moon appears to be uh, going, uh, proceeding from a position above that plane to a position below that plane, and then back again. And this happens on a regular basis, and when the moon is intersecting that orbit of the Earth around the sun, that's the time when eclipses take place. There are a different number of eclipses every year, but there will always be at least two eclipses per year because of this phenomenon. Uh, and eclipses always come in pairs. Uh, 
a solar eclipse followed by a lunar eclipse or a lunar eclipse followed by a solar eclipse. Because eclipses are such strong phenomena, because in particular the solar eclipse, but both of them, they're such visually striking phenomena, eclipses have gained a, a strong influence on the human psyche. For better, or more usually, for not so good. Eclipses generally are regarded as times when the mind, which is the moon, or the very spirit, the soul, which is the sun, are eclipsed when they can't bring their influences in a positive way onto human endeavor, either individual or collective. Rahu and Ketu are regarded as being the head and the tail of the cosmic serpent. That serpent was divided into two at the time of the churning of the cosmic ocean of milk, which is something that happens to everyone who is following some process of sadhana, and that happens to that individual internally. And astronomically, it also happens externally. And that mythology is rather complex, but the ultimate result of that process was the obtaining of amrita, the nectar of immortality, by this churning. And an agreement had been made between the devas and the asuras. Sometimes the word asura is translated as demon, but they are certainly not demonic in the sense that we think of demons as being demonic. It's probably better to think of them as the gods and the anti-gods. They are half-brothers and half-sisters of one another, after all. But they have different families, they have different priorities, and usually they are at war with one another. For this purpose, for the purpose of churning the, the ocean of milk, they agreed to work together with the understanding that that amrita, that nectar of immortality, would be divided equally between them. Vishnu, thinking that really the anti-gods couldn't be trusted with the nectar of immortality because they were always in the habit of attacking the devas, the gods, decided that he would arrange things so that the anti-gods did not get any of the nectar. So what he did was transform his external visage, his external appearance, into that of Mohini. Mohini, which means Ms. Delusion Incarnate. And Mohini was the supremely most beautiful and bewitching female form that the cosmos has ever seen. 
Underneath, he was Vishnu. Externally, he was Mohini. And anyone who saw Mohini was immediately smitten with moha, with enthrallment. All that you could do when you saw Mohini was agree to whatever she agreed, uh, she proposed. So when Mohini proposed that she should distribute the nectar, both the gods and the anti-gods immediately agreed. Oh, yes, beautiful woman, do whatever you like. We are ready. We agree immediately. Just remain nearby us so we can continue staring at you. So Mohini, otherwise Vishnu, cleverly dispersed all of the nectar of immortality to the gods and left nothing for the anti-gods, except one anti-god, whose name was Rahu, took on the form of a god, just as Vishnu had taken on the form of Mohini. Rahu took on the form of a god. And Rahu sat there quietly, and Vishnu administered a drop of the nectar of immortality to him until the sun and the moon tattled on Rahu. They said to Vishnu, don't give it to him. He is an anti-god in the form, current form of a god. And Vishnu, smiling, took his chakra, his discus of sudarshana, of good sight, and looked carefully at Rahu and released his discus, which chopped Rahu's head from his body. But not before the nectar of immortality had touched his lips. And therefore, both the head and the body of Rahu have remained alive. And at the time of eclipses, Rahu attempts to swallow the sun, but because Rahu has no body, only a neck, the sun comes out through the neck again. And Ketu would like very much to swallow the moon, but in fact, the there's no head, so he can't swallow the moon. He can only obstruct it for a while and then let go of it. So that's the mythology. But the influence of Rahu and Ketu on individuals is very closely related to that mythology. Because Rahu got some of the nectar of immortality. And this means that people who are strongly influenced by Rahu are very interested in elixirs of all kinds and potions and living for a long time. And what do we see in the modern world? We see all kinds of people who believe that they're going to take substances that will make them immortal or they will be able to export their awarenesses into the cloud and become immortal that way. It's, there's this concept of pursuit of immortality is very much activated right now. So that's one reason why we can say that we're living in the age of Rahu, Rahu world. Another reason is that because Rahu is immortal, Rahu is also eternally the age that he was when his head was dissected from his body. So people in the influence strongly by Rahu are very concerned with their appearance and always want to look youthful, including 
not only getting injections of uh, various uh, elixirs, but also getting plastic surgery. So sadly, often they end up looking ridiculous instead of looking attractive. But it's that drive to try to always remain attractive and youthful that is a strong indicator of the influence of Rahu. Rahu is always, also always interested in original thinking, doing things that no one else has ever done, blazing new trails, and experimenting with new things. So the way that we are living in a world in which the influence of the internet and the algorithms that drive it are moving us into an unknown, uncharted waters, this is all also a reflection of the strength that Rahu displays right now in its influence on human beings. Another thing that we can always say about Rahu is that when you are strongly influenced by Rahu, satisfaction is impossible. Even if your situation is 99.9% perfect, the 0.1% that is imperfect will loom in front of you as if it was 99% imperfect. So there is always a drive for more, which is understandable because Rahu has no body. So you can eat as much as you want to. You can take in as much as you want to. You can grab, you can devour, but you will never be satisfied because there is no body in which you can be satisfied. Rahu is, of course, a head with no body. And we are in a period in which people, many, many people, have become talking heads. They really have no concept of what a body is. They are only connecting to other people head from one head to another. And of course, the pandemic and the, uh, uh, the, the, the massive manifestations of uh, societal interconnecting via Zoom and similar platforms uh, have only multiplied this, ha have, have multiplied, have augmented the situation where people are relating to, to one another only via their heads, but not via necessarily the head they were born with. Very commonly, they will create avatars. They will change their appearances, sometimes literally in a very dramatic way, sometimes figuratively with the help of um, software. And that's another manifestation of both Rahu and Ketu because both of them are shadows. You can't see them in the sky because there is nothing to see. They are only points in which eclipses take place, but eclipses don't take place every day. So they are only, they are virtual planets. And uh, we live in a, a world of virtual reality, and that itself reinforces the influence of both Rahu and Ketu. I talk more about Rahu because Ketu is more interested in being away from things. K2 is more interested in understanding the real nature of things because it is not being deluded so much 
by what our senses are taking in. It is working more with the heart, with the hotter point, with the with the intuition, with the gut feeling. K2 is much more connected to the earth. K2 is much more connected to reality than is Rahu. The very fact that so much of what's going on nowadays is disconnected from reality, fake news and confusion about what is really real and what conspiracy is con- is is accurate or inaccurate and who is conspiring against whom all this is yet more a reflection of rahu so the we have a giant amount of rahu in our existences partly because our existences are are, are manifesting those qualities that Rahu possesses. But these qualities are becoming even more magnified when Rahu and Ketu are particularly prominent in the sky. And that's something that is about to happen. It happened earlier during 2020. It's about to happen again during the first few months of 2021. Uh in the sense that we're going to experience a worldwide Kala Sarpa yoga. Kala Sarpa. Kala Sarpa can mean black snake. And as you know, black snakes can be very deadly. The black mamba, for example. But Kala can also mean time. So Kala Sarpa can also mean the serpent of time, which is a more accurate representation of that yoga. Kala Sarpa happens when the seven other grahas, so remember those are the five visible planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, plus the sun and the moon, the two luminaries, those, that's seven. When those seven grahas are enclosed between Rahu and Ketu, very commonly, there will be planets all over the horoscope. But during the period of Kala Sarpa Yoga, all of the other seven grahas besides Rahu and Ketu are enclosed between either Rahu and Ketu or Ketu and Rahu. Why do we say there's a difference? It's because of the natural direction that the planets are moving. So according to how they are moving... They can either be between Ketu and Rahu or between Rahu and Ketu. So this is because all of those planets are in, as it were, the belly of the serpent. Um, People very commonly have taken this Kala Sarpa Yoga and predicted horrible things happening because people tend to be very terrified of serpents in general. In our experience of reality, there is, of course, a serpent continuum, as it were. We can have the very poisonous snake that will kill you if it gets a chance to bite you. So this is certainly a serpent experience we would like very much 
to avoid. And they say when Lord Shiva, Om Namah Shivaya, owes you 100 karmic lashes with his whip, he knows you would not survive 100 karmic lashes. So he arranges for you to be bitten by a snake because maybe you will survive the snake bite. He is being compassionate in this sense. So at one end, we have the extreme, very dangerous snakes. And this is why so many people are afraid of snakes atavistically. Many people have maybe even have never seen a snake, but they in inside themselves, probably because of being killed by a snake in a past lifetime, they have a terror of snakes. This is the very, very undesirable end of the snake spectrum. The other end of the snake spectrum is Sheshanaga, who is the thousand-headed serpent who acts as a couch, who is floating on the ocean of milk, on top of which Vishnu is reclining while Lakshmi massages his legs. So that serpent isn't absolutely necessary for the, main, the manifestation, maintenance, preservation of manifested reality. So we go from the end of the spectrum of serpents, from those who kill to those who not only heal, but, but give life. Uh, the inside an individual, that serpent energy, of course, is the kundalini. And it can do exactly what the external serpents can do. As long as it remains tied down to your muladhara chakra at the base of your spine, it represents the ego. And the ego is always poisonous because you're always focused on being selfish, just like the anti-gods are. The gods internally, the devas, are the altruistic thoughts. And the asuras, the anti-gods, are the selfish thoughts. I want this for myself. So as long as you are mainly ruled by your ego, you're a poisonous snake. This is the reality. Once Kundalini becomes awakened and is cultivated carefully, judiciously, and appropriately, then you also can act as a representation of one of the devas. You can become your own Sheshanaga and you can act as a couch for whatever deva would like to come through you and manifest and do good things in the world. So we have a similar spectrum, a similar continuum inside as we do outside. Kala Sarpa magnifies this effect. So in the context of the external world, yes, sometimes what will happen is it will have a poisonous effect. And sometimes Kala Sarpa will cause people to have the experience of suffering from poisons or catastrophes or disasters or scandals or all kinds of all kinds of terrible things and sometimes that poison from the snake is not really poison it turns into nectar from that, for that person so we you have to be very very careful when you 
predict on a Kalasarpa yoga for an individual because that individual is going to be affected by it according to how he or she is able to manage and transform his or her ego. Kalasarpa can have beneficial effects in a human being also. It can make you industrious, hardworking, aware of your own ability. It can raise you to top positions in your field. It, however, generally speaking, because of what I said about Rahu earlier, tends to cause mental restlessness. Because very often, one lives in a world of fantasy. Now, sometimes you can fantasize something and then you can actually manifest it in the external world. Sometimes what happens is people live in a fool's paradise. They live in a fantasy world and nothing ever gets manifested externally. So working with Kalasarpa Yoga internally is something that is certainly feasible it does require an ability to bring those forces under some kind of control. And generally speaking, Shiva is the way to go about this, Om Namah Shivaya. When we have a Kala Sarpa Yoga externally, as we're about to have, it affects everybody. It affects everything. So no matter how well you have been working on yourself and how well you have been able to transform your own poison into nectar, what is happening externally is something that is going to magnify the challenges that everybody in the world has because it is having an effect on everyone. And of course, it's going to have a stronger effect on those people who are being currently ruled by one of the nodes, Rahu or Ketu. So, during this upcoming period, when Rahu is going to be so strong and Ketu is going to be so strong, this is a good time in which everyone should be even more internalized. Yes, absolutely. We have to pay attention to the outside world. We have to make sure that we're well established, we're well connected to the outside world. But we also have to remember that what's going to be going on in the outside world is going to be something that is going to be very peculiar and it is going to often be very frustrating and it is often going to make us feel a craving for things to be different. So if one becomes caught up in that craving whether that's a craving for things to be different in your life or as when it's happening to everybody for things to be different in the world, it is very desirable to be aware of that intention. It is usually undesirable to permit that to become a craving because when it is a craving like any other craving, it disturbs your perspective on what is appropriate for ev the, regarding everything that needs to be done in life. You lose the balance of how to, how to arrange all of the different things that have to be done in your life 
in a way that is sustainable and is judicious. It's very common that you will get fascinated with, that you will become obsessed by one thing happening or one thing being done in a particular way. Because that's Rahu and Ketu, for that matter. They are obsessive. And they're obsessive because they are Chayagrahas. They're shadow planets. They don't encourage uh, the ability to see things clearly in all directions. They encourage the ability to see a particular image, to see a particular view of how things should be generally more than how things really are. And this is why sometimes it's useful to think of the influence of Rahu and Ketu as being identical with the influence of our screens, the movie screen, the TV screen, the phone screen, because these are shadows. Yes, they're colorful shadows. Yes, they're, they're accompanied with, uh, often with sound to make them, uh, to make those two sense organs work together. But they are simply shadows on the face of a wall, whether it's the wall of the movie theater, the wall of the TV screen, or the wall of your phone. And if you allow yourself to be caught up with those shadows, those shadows will tell you what your reality is, but it, that will not be the accurate reality of what your reality really is, because it will be the reality of what those shadows want you to see. And what they want you to see is whatever it is you're already seeing. Uh, the Social Dilemma movie that came out earlier this year provides abundant evidence that even though there was no specific desire for this to happen, the algorithms that are running social media are encouraging everyone to go into echo chambers where they only hear what they already are thinking. And that simply reinforces all of their opinions, all of their delusions, all of their hallucinations uh, on both ends of the political spectrum, far left and far right as well. So as human beings who want to not simply be reacting to our karmas, but who want to be actively putting our attention on reality and working in the best way that we can with reality, we have to acknowledge that there is this force of Rahu that is present in society and that at certain times, as is going to happen often during this next three months, at certain times, we're going to have a stronger influence of Rahu than ever before. So it is good to remember that this is going to be the case, not to despair, not to get uh, furious or, uh, or terrified or anything like that. We will move through this also. This will be a great time to meditate on your own delusions, to watch what your mind does, to see how you 
allow yourself to be manipulated, how you manipulate yourself, and possibly how you attempt to manipulate others. So during this period, this is true for any period, but especially during this coming period, please focus on reality, however you see it, and try always to keep aligned with the real reality, not the fake news, not the corruption of perspective that is characteristic of Rahu, but the real reality as embodied by Lord Shiva. Om, Om Namah Shivaya. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.